Animism Radio explores our connection to the plant, animal, mineral, human, and spiritual realms to help you live in divine relationship with all that is. Hello and welcome to Modern Animism Radio. I'm Laura Giles, your host and co-founder of Pan Society. Thanks for joining me today. I'm not sure whether people do this or not today, especially since COVID, but when I was little, we had Valentine's Day parties at school. We'd get these boxes of Valentines and pass them around to our classmates. And there was always this one big pretty one in the box, and you'd give that one to your special crust and then hope that you got some of those too. And they always said something like, be mine on them. And even at that young age, uh, that used to really puzzle me. I was like, what What does that mean, be mine? It just made no sense to me. And I'll tell you why on this episode, where we talk about love and belonging in animism. So on this day before Thanksgiving, let's start with gratitude for all the wonderful traditional feast foods, shelter, home, family, friends, and wine. Thank you, Earth, for all the laughter, music, funny and moving conversations that come with great company. Thank you, Air. For all the passions that go into cooking, decorating, traveling, and even shopping, thank you, fire. For all the emotions that uplift us and capsize us, the waters help us cleanse our hurts, thank you, water. To the loving, helping plants, animal, mineral, and human ancestors for all the support that you provide for us that we see and don't see, thank you. To our elders who show us the way forward in life with dignity and wisdom, thank you. Thank you to our listeners for listening, sharing, and liking us on social media. It helps us to get the word out about modern animism. And if you want to support, please review our podcast wherever you're listening. That helps us to boost our ratings so more people can find us. And if you're feeling generous on Thanksgiving and want to give back, you can donate at buymeacoffee.com forward slash pansociety or become a pansociety insider at patreon.com forward slash pansociety. So supporters get perks like invitations to our book club, online class, and group ancestral clearings. And if you want to get involved, send me a message. We're a volunteer-run organization, and we would love to have you here. So the Valentines. You know, words have power. They're audible symbols of our inner world. And when we say things like be mine, what we're talking about is possession, not love. Think about that. If it's mine, my my computer, my car, my pen, that's possession. Uh, we're talking about objects, not people. They're sovereign beings. And when we possess things, um, well, we possess things, not people, right? If you're mine, you belong to me. I have power over you. You don't have free will or sovereignty. And that is a vain, very dangerous idea that leads to things like domestic violence, abuse, and relationships that are not equal or happy. And we say things like this all the time. And that subtly perpetuates this narcissistic, object-driven dynamic. So I'm saying this to help to make it aware. And if you want to be really deeply animist and live in relationships, maybe change that in yourself, if it's a bit. So let's look at the lyrics to um, Be My Baby by the Ronettes. Super popular song. I think it's from the 50s, 60s. It has that sound. So the lyrics say, uh, the night we met, I knew I needed you so, and if I had the chance, I'd never let you go. So won't you say you love me? I'll make you so proud of me. We'll make them turn their heads wherever we go. So won't you please be my, be my baby? That's narcissism, guys, not love. That's love at first sight. 
love bombing, idealizing someone, and then talking about how we'll be the envy of others. So it's all about being seen and being important. Total um, objection. Objectifying, what's the word? <laughs> you know what I mean. Uh, and then we're talking about how um, we're being in the, the envy of others, so it's all about being seen and being important. There's no love here. And at this point, they don't even know each other. So, won't you please be my baby is basically asking for her to agree to be put on a pedestal and objectified. So, yeah, right. Tons of songs like that. If you look at probably half at least love songs, that's what they're talking about. Something just like that. So I'm not sure what's happening. I think it's social media, but there's this explosion of soulmate and twin flame garbage going around. It's just another example of objectifying love. I keep getting questions that indicate that the querent thinks that they're entitled to being loved forever by someone else. So it's questions like, my twin flame doesn't see our connection. When will he wake up and realize it? Think about what that's saying. Hidden in that is that this, there's this implication that the person's uh, speaking's feelings are saying that the object of her desire has no right of, to his own thoughts. He's wrong about their connection and his feelings. And that's a total disregard for his sovereignty. It's like she knows better than he does because of this soul flame contract. And there is no soul contract that entitles you to someone else's affection or attraction. Even if there were, we have free will. We can cancel it at any time. So if someone says no, it's no. Your feelings of a soul connection don't invalidate that. And this is a type of reasoning that leads to rape or murder. What do you think goes through a rapist's head when he uh, takes someone who isn't willing? It's entitlement and objectification. I've heard plenty of stories, even when the rapist thinks it's an act of love, but the person being objectified does not. There's a huge disconnect here that comes from entitlement and objectification. So check your language. Check your words. We're all indoctrinated to see relationships and love in certain ways because of the songs, stories, poetry, and movies that we grow up with. So if you want to change that, you have to start making all that stuff consciously. So let's look at, or conscious, let's look at the song by Carly Simon, You Belong to Me. It goes, why did you tell me this? Were you looking for my reaction? What do you need to know? Don't you know I'll always be your girl? You don't have to prove to me you're beautiful to strangers. I've got loving eyes of my own. So the song applies that the partner has been stepping out or at least being admired by someone else and has just come clean. Then the singer responds by basically negating the behavior and saying that the partner's actions don't matter because she'll always be her girl. That's ownership, not love. And I don't know about you, but that, that sounds creepy to me. That's possession. That's like, ugh, get away from me. Um, and part of that comes from the Bible in Genesis. It says that God gave a man dominion over the sea, air, and earth. So if man is superior, he could treat everything as objects for his use. And the way that this is, I don't know if this is, I think in Jewish um, tradition, it is not meant this way. But in Christian tradition, it's meant man means a person with a penis, not mankind. Um, so that has created thousands of years of, of dominating women. In Roman times, a man was the absolute ruler of his household and killed his wife and children if they displeased him. And in pre-1840s England, a woman was her husband's property. And if she had property, it became his at the time of their marriage. 
She had no legal rights to appear in court, conduct business, or sign contracts. So she was chattel. The idea of people being objects has a long history and spans many cultures. And even though some things have changed, the way that we speak still hangs on to some of these ideas. So it's really important to think about what we're saying and maybe change some things up. Our thoughts create our reality. And we may be subtly and unconsciously supporting a vision of love and relationships that we don't consciously want. And what happens when the conscious and unconscious mind battle? The unconscious wins. If it were that uneasy to undo, we'd all be billionaires. Because we would just think, oh, I want a million dollars, and boop, they'd be there. So we really need to pay attention to what's in our unconscious, how we're feeding it, and, and maintaining all the stuff that's there. So let's look at fairy tales. They have this classic pattern where the handsome Prince Charming comes across a maiden who is sometimes a princess and sometimes a pauper, but she's always beautiful. He falls in love with her at first sight, but there's some obstacle that he has to overcome to win her. And with some difficulty, he does, and then they marry and live happily ever after. I can't tell you how many people are looking for that. And then judge their lives as miserable because it falls short. That's a fairy tale? It's not real. <laughs> and maybe we need to look at that and start um, giving our kids different stories. And thankfully, Disney has started doing that. And we, have, we do have different stories for the new generation. But let's go back to the story. So first of all, uh, if a guy is charming, it's a red flag. Not to say that people can't be charming, but if he's, and this goes for women too, so I'm saying he, but I mean both. Uh, if he's sweetness, light, and perfection, it's probably a love bombing act because people are just not that nice, accommodating, and well-mannered. We're quirky, contrary, and unique, and that should show. Anybody who is 100% agreeable is a little suspect. Just saying. <laughs> okay, so notice that he wants the beautiful girl. This is because he sees her as an object, a trophy, that makes him look good. He doesn't even know what her inside is like because he hasn't even gotten to know her. It's just a visual thing. So that's another red flag. If somebody sees you and all of a sudden you're just the greatest thing ever, you're an object. Um, and so in the story they have this whirlwind courtship, if, if it can even be called a courtship, if love at first sight is a courtship. <laughs> And she's never felt such an amazing love before. And this is love bombing. This is blinding someone with affection, presence, words of affirmation, attention, touch, all the things that make us feel love. It's blinding so that we don't look for the warts that are always there. I'm not saying that because I'm being negative, but because we all have flaws. We're flawed human beings. And when somebody loves bombs, it's showing that they don't have boundaries or are immature or both. A game of love is one of exchange where I give some and you give some and you know it's paced. It moves slowly so that it, we don't feel overwhelmed. If I slow down, you slow down. It's a respect. You know, it's like ping pong back and forth, back and forth. Then there is a pause in between interactions to give us time to assess and calibrate. It's not one day we meet and there's a proposal in Paris two weeks later. We don't slay a dragon for you and then you owe me marriage. And if um, there is marriage, that's the beginning of a new journey of a partnership, not the end that's happily ever after. Life is always evolving, so there is no happily ever after. And looking for someone to complete you is a road to sure disappointment. Sorry if that rains on anyone's parade. I think most people know that, right? Um, but I deal with a lot of heartaches all the time in my coaching and counseling practice. And all this could be avoided if we stop looking at people 
as the end of our loneliness. That's an object too. If I just have this, I will be okay. Mm -mm. People are not objects that are here to make us happy. They're sovereign beings with their own needs and desires. And it's not easy to bring together two different entities and make that mesh. It takes a lot of skill and finesse to make it work in a way that's mutually satisfying, especially in an ongoing way. If one or both of the partners sees the other as an object, love can't really happen because love's not possession. So sex trafficking is an example of seeing women and children mostly, because it can happen to men too, as objects. And if they were people, it would be impossible to treat them as slaves because then we would see, you know, their, their feelings and their free will. And sex slaves are not allowed to have feelings or, or free will. And this is a problem that bothers me greatly. So I'm not making any judgment about any of these things, but prostitution, hookups, pornography, all of that encourages the objectification of people by reducing their value to sex. So it's about parts. It's about outcomes. It's about, um, it's not about relationship. <laughs> There's no connection, commitment, care, or emotion. It's just an exchange of sexual pleasure. And when it's over, a person is discarded and disconnected from. When we make movies that glorify casual sex and sexualize the naked body, we're teaching our society that sex is not sacred. It has no value. It's just, I don't know, something that we do to... to Please ourselves. It's just about getting what you can and personal enjoyment. Again, nothing wrong with that. But if you're interested in creating a relationship with all that is, this is not it. At least not a healthy relationship because there's no sovereignty or connection there. Or at least very little. And how you do anything is how you do everything. So we're creating habits. These habits that flow throughout our entire lives impact how we do animism. I know that there's a lot of people out there who claim to be animists and again, not judging anybody's walk at wherever you are, it's totally fine. Um, because we, you know, you have to start the path somewhere. We're not, not all at the end. We're not all at the beginning. But I see lots of people talk about animism and there's a lot of rules and, and possession and I don't, stuff that's not sovereignty and connection in there. So all I'm suggesting is that you look at what is underneath what you do and see if that creates more connection, more love. If not, challenge it. So the human mind is lazy. It generalizes. So if we live a life of commodity where things we want can be purchased with time, money, compliments, or whatever, and then discarded, we're going to do that with plants, animals, food, home, children, people, spirituality, rituals, everything. You know, that's why we have so much waste. That's why we have so much hoarding. Because we're objectifying things and people. And there is no real love or connection in that type of dynamic. It's loneliness and disconnection. We might as well be living in a world of robots where things exist to provide us with services. We can pretty much buy anything we want in America these days. You know, we're a wealthy country, and that's not making people happy. So we know that that doesn't work. We can go on luxurious vacations, drive really nice cars, eat in great restaurants, wear fashionable clothes, and buy company and hang out with people who like what we like or make us look good. Without the connection, though, it's hollow. It feels really empty after a while. Then we create another hurdle to conquer to make us feel whole when the issue isn't about getting more objects. It's about filling our hearts with love. 
Let's back off the romantic love for a moment and look at familial relationships. So we've all heard the story of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, right? He was born with a red, shiny nose, and his father covered it up because it was not suitable. So Rudolph belonged to this family, and he had to represent well, and a red nose was not going to do. And I know a lot of people can relate. Uh, who grew up in a family where you had to be a doctor or nurse? If you're Asian, you know what that's like. There's no other option. Forget about your aptitude and your desires. That's what you do. But if you're a teacher at heart or a musician, you either face ridicule or unhappiness. And that's a lose-lose proposition. That's not belonging. That's possession. That's an obligation put by pure family. That means that you are an object that reflects the family status. And you're not allowed to be less than perfect and less than a high-status individual. And that's not love, guys. There is no sovereignty or connection there. That's a shame-based um, program. Sovereignty says... I can choose my own path forward. Connection says, regardless of what I do or look like, I accept you and choose you, and you do the same. So connection's a choice. It's an open hand. It's acceptance of you as you are with your full power to walk away, only dip a toe in, or be all in. There's no strings and no obligations. We belong to each other partially because we are one, and that's just how it is, but we connect because we want to. If we want to pull away, we can. That's how love works. It's not an entitlement, obligation, or possession. Okay, so it's Black Friday weekend, and some of you will be out there shopping. I don't know if it's a madhouse during COVID or not, so I'm not out there, but it certainly has been in the past. And you know what it's like when you're in a crowded space just trying to finish up your business. You can get edgy and maybe curt with salespeople or cashiers. If this happens, slow your roll. Ask if you're treating this person with the kindness that a connected fellow human deserves. Or if you're asked if you're treating them like an object whose job it is to please you and deserve you. <laughs> if it's the latter, you're objectifying the helper. Everyone has feelings. Everyone has things to do. If you're not at the top of someone else's list, it doesn't mean that they have to you have to ramp things up to get your way. So just take it easy. Or if you're driving this holiday season, you may find yourself in traffic. Some people are bottleneckers or just distracted drivers. But does this make you road rage? Remember that these people are not objects that are in your way. They're people who are going about their day in a way that they know how. They're not here to please you or to read your mind. Everybody's trying to do what they have to do or want to do. So maybe give somebody who's struggling a smile. A little compassion goes a long way. Let's look at another example that's common during the holidays. So you have people out in the streets either ringing a bell for charity like Salvation Army or just panhandling. And I hear people say, I'm not giving them money so they can spend it on drugs. Okay, fair enough. But first, this is not about judging them. When you judge people, you put yourself on a pedestal and that creates distance so that you can't connect. So it's not the greatest thing when trying to live a connected life. Second, if you're giving with strings, it's not a gift. It's an obligation. So you're basically saying you only deserve this if you do what I want you to do. So you're, again, you're treating them like an object. They'll need your approval. If you disconnect because you deem them to be not worthy, that's you disconnecting yourself from a part of humanity. If you feel compassion for your fellow man, do something helpful. Start by seeing them. We're all mirrors for each other. And if you reflect an image of worthiness and kindness, maybe they'll see themselves in a different way and act accordingly. We all learn our place in society and our worth from those around us. 
And if you send out positive vibes, it positively impacts the whole society. So where do you want to live? I want to live in a nice place. So I try to send out nice vibes. And so we can be surrounded by a bunch of idiots that you want to hide from or with beautiful people who have something to offer. Your point of view makes a difference. Send it out there and it comes back to you. We're all connected. We're sentient. We all have feelings and desires and values that don't look like each other's. There's a lot of ways to love each other that have nothing to do with possession or objectification. So let me give you some tips to help you to see if you're doing this and how to stop, okay? In case you haven't caught on already. <laughs> so are you fantasizing about someone and putting them, on, putting them on a pedestal? If so, this is objectifying them. This is liking the idea of them instead of who they really are. If you know the real flawed person, it's hard to put them on a pedestal because we all bleed, weep, and poop the same. We're all human. I had a guy friend who once did this to me, and I, I didn't realize it. We were young. And we had lots of good times together. We hung out. We were vulnerable. We talked about everything, or so I thought. Then I did something that burst the bubble and realized that we were never friends at all. He didn't even know me at all. He projected all these things onto me that I was a caricature. He wanted a fantasy girl, and I could never be that. So if this is you on either side, either the object's of desire side or the one doing the objectifying, you might consider stopping. You can't have a relationship with a thing, and I was definitely the thing in that relationship. Um, so do you have friends or family that you keep around for what they can give you? When I say what you can get, I'm talking about companionship, money, entertainment, sex, that kind of thing. This is a commodity relationship, not one based on mutual interests or connections. It's a tip for tat or something that benefits you. If that's you, you might want to focus instead on who the other person is. If you find connection there, you have a shot at having a meaningful relationship versus one where you depend on others to fulfill your needs. We're all healthier when we fulfill our own needs and focus on meaning with all interactions. Then we feel at home wherever we go. Another example is, are you focused on primarily one thing with the people in your life? So if it's your partner, do you really like his wallet, his social connections, or his body? If so, you're probably seeing this guy as a trophy or a possession, not a person. So zoom out. How do you feel about the rest of him? How do you feel about his family, his job? If he didn't have this thing, how would you feel about him then? Just something to think about. If you're listening to this and noticing that there are people in your life who you want around for what they give you, rethink that. Time is our most precious thing. Perhaps you prefer to give that to someone who cares about you, for you. Do you look for people to save? If so, you're searching for projects, not relationships. There is a huge difference. When we give people labels, we're absolutely objectifying them. We put them in a box and sort of mentally forbid them to be anything else. And when they grow out of that label, if they have the space to do so, we don't have any use for them anymore. This is why so many relationships break up after therapy. The client outgrows their labels and the relationship falls apart. It's why alcoholics often continue their addiction. The relationship can't survive without that dependency. So think about that. Do you feel like the people in your life owe you something? Does your daughter owe you time on the holidays? Does your husband owe you an amazing Christmas present? Does your friend owe you one-on-one -on -one time? If you're looking at people like this, you're treating them like commodities, not humans. 
You may have given a lot to your friends and family, but this doesn't mean that they have to show up for you now. They have their own lives and own agendas, and they may not want to do what you want, or maybe they can't. In sovereign relationships, that's how it goes sometimes. Where there is love, our people want to do for us, and they want to be with us. But it's a choice, not an obligation. So here are some ways to create or deepen that connection with others. So accept no for an answer. Don't ask for an explanation or try to talk somebody out of their no. Trust that they know that they're own what they're thinking. And if they want to be talked out of it and give up their sovereignty, resist the temptation and give them an out. When people are honest and sovereign, relationships are more rewarding. Another thing you can do is check in with yourself and with others. Just ask how you doing and really answer. Listen to the answer. Witness. It's a small thing, but it goes a long way in creating connection and getting to know people. So along with that is listen to people. A conversation is a two-way proposition. It requires a speaker and a listener. Be passive. Listen to find out what's amazing about the person in front of you. Listen for how you're similar. Listen to give them space to be heard. This is a really simple way to connect. I have a lot of friends who look nothing like me, and they enrich my life because they show me a side of life that I don't live, so I highly recommend it. Now the thing is, do small acts of kindness. It's a quick way to touch people that you don't even know, like holding the door open for someone or giving someone a compliment. Cost you nothing. Another thing you can do is look at people when you're talking. So I don't mean look in their direction. So notice their discomfort, their ease, or whatever there is to notice. It's a subtle thing. But others notice when you're taking an interest. And if you respond based on what you see, that's even more appreciated. So if somebody looks tired and you keep it short, that's appreciated. You're not taking up too much of their time or energy. Show gratitude for little things, for big things. Express it. Write it down. Tell them. Tell others about their good deeds and kind heart. Love grows when it's given away. If you are a get or done type person like me, um, massage the personal relationship too. It's not all, all about projects or business. If you're doing a project or business with uh, a person, treat it as more than just a transaction. Treat it like a relationship. Just don't forget. It's the little things, guys. And how we do anything is how we do everything. If we relate to humans as objects, do you think we might do the same to animals, plants, minerals, or the spirit realm? How many of us see our ancestors, deities, or spirit guides as Santa Claus? Just throwing that out there. If you want meaningful relationships, it starts with you. All right, guys. Thanks for reaching out with your questions. Now, um... I have more questions than I can get to with a blog post, podcast, TikTok, or YouTube video in a timely manner. Thank you, thank you, thank you for that. Um, if I did it that way, it could be a month or more before you get an answer. So I've started answering some of them on Quora to get to them faster. It's Q-U-O-R-A.com. And if you're on Quora, follow me or send me your questions there for a fastest response. It's um, uh, The name of the space is... Modern Animism, or I'm a Modern Animist. Not quite sure, but it's one of those. Um, thanks for tuning in. I'm Laura Giles. Have a fabulous Thanksgiving and spread some love out there today. We all need it. Thanks, guys. See you next week.